welcome to Fencing Stories. Your monthly guide to all things fencing. With him, Jason Brody. And him, Nicholas Partridge. So Jason, what have you been up to? I've been taking it easy the last couple of weeks. Uh, no major competitions, limited training. It's been a, a nice spring, relaxing spring. What about you, Nick? How have you been getting on? Yeah, I've had a bit of a fencing injury, so I've not been able to fence too much. I did get down to Crawley Fencing Club and had a chat with them. You get about. I do indeed. But this injury has caused me a bit of a trouble. Was that fencing related? No, not really. More running related than fencing. A little bit of an issue with an adductor, so I've been to see Yanni to help sort that out. What sort of exercises have you been doing to sort that out? Just some banded exercises, really, in order to try and relocate the femur into the joint more properly. So it's been banded bridges. I've done some uh, abduction and adduction. So, again, banded in or just in order to relocate the femur more precisely. Uh, fencing is a sport that definitely, I feel, it puts you out of balance when it comes to your body. Uh, did you start running to try and counter that? Not really. I started doing triathlon in order to gain better fitness for fencing. So I kind of attacked it from a different way. And then through doing triathlon, I've really enjoyed my running recently and I've got much more into it. Uh, did it work? Definitely. I'm stronger, have much better endurance. I don't think my weight would be what it is if I hadn't started running. So overall, I feel like it's made a big difference. At the end of the day, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't feel it made a difference to my fencing. And, you know, since then, I've run a couple of marathons. So, endurance-wise, it's good. Yeah, and I've heard about runner's high. I've never managed to get to that point running the high part, um, unfortunately. But do you find that with fencing ever? When you're fencing, do you sort of get into that zen part or is it much more you have to focus constantly? One time I was fencing at the Bedford Open and... It was like my opponent slowed down and I was just thinking at a faster rate and able to react at a faster rate to everything that was going on. It felt like, I don't know, it's, it's something that's only happened once or twice where I'm fencing at a much higher level and almost like time slowed down for me. So it made the parry really easy and I got a lovely hit on the shoulder. It was really odd. Maybe that's because of your triathlon experience. Your fitness just kept you going and he just died on the beast i don't think so because i haven't started doing triathlon at that point uh, i guess that's that flow state that people talk about absolutely that's all i can put it down to so let's get into what's been going on in the last few weeks so we've had the bycs which have been very successful lots of people turning up and enjoying their fencing there we hope also the european veterans happened very recently we have and it looks like it has been an absolutely fantastic turnout from everybody for the GBR. There's been so many fencers who've entered and there are lots of faces that we know and compete with regularly. And I just uh, like to say how great it is to see them working so hard to represent the country. And we've had loads of medals, haven't we? I think um, we've done really well and represented the country. Yeah, lots of successes with medals across the ages and all the, the weapons. Yeah, there's a, there's too many to mention. We could list them all. But uh, as you said, on the fencing page is... On the fencing, what's it called? Yeah, the British Veterans Facebook group. All the results should be listed there. And on On Guard, you can find them, of course. So yeah, great turnout. Yeah, not to forget all the youngsters that have been putting in the hard work to qualify for the British Youth Championships and then fencing at that and hopefully enjoying themselves. 
yeah, it's nice to see that at the younger and the less young ranges, people are, you know, fencing is a sport that accommodates for everyone. I think that's what's so great about fencing. Yeah, I quite heartily agree. So, Jason, what's coming up in the next month or so? We've got a couple of competitions. There's the Exeter Open on the 10th of June, all six weapons. Uh, it's If you're down that way, I think that's a really great competition. Unfortunately, I've never been down that way. It's uh, always been a bit far for me to go. Do you have to go around the M25 to get to Exeter? It's a bit further than that, Jason. It's a bit past Bristol. <laughs> Fair point, okay. Yeah, it's way down in the West Country, but you can buy pasties. Oh, right. It's that. So, yeah, okay, right. No. I mean, I'm an M1 person, born and bred. <laughs> Any further than that, and I struggle. There was talk of a Team Epe competition. Chris Hauser was running from Peterborough. But there was a double booking, so that's been delayed. So keep your eye out for that for a future event. Yeah, that's an exciting one because we know how well Chris Hauser does with the Elite Epe. So I presume he'll bring the same level of competition to a team one, which is triple the fun. At least triple the fun. I love a team Epe competition. But a lot of this information comes from the Facebook group, which is... Fencing Competitions UK on Facebook. It's a great page for looking for competitions because it brings the whole spectrum of competitions together. Uh, sometimes it's hard to find different events. While we're talking about team competitions, there's also the Br- Bristol Mixed Team Competition happening on the 28th of May. Um, uh, I think it's a relatively small competition, but if you're in that area, I think that'd be a really fun one to do. I think team competitions. Again, Jason, just to warn you, that will be further than the M25. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're already there and you don't have to get down the M5, I recommend it. If you live on the M1, stay well clear. Excellent. So you've been out speaking to some people recently. Nick, we've got an interview for us. Yeah, indeed. We're going to have a snippet from that interview from Crawley Fencing Club later on. And yourself? Yeah, I've been speaking to Michael Robinson, who is a fencer from OPS and probably one of the most interesting people I've had the pleasure of speaking to in the last few weeks. So we'll wrap it up there then, Jason. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Fencing Stories this month. Thanks, guys. And we look forward to seeing you again in the future. So today's guest, I have the pleasure of speaking to the bionic Michael Robbo Robinson. He served in the US Army with the Signal Corps, worked for the Pentagon, been attached to the Secret Service, worked at the White House and Silicon Valley. And somehow, amongst all of that, he's become a fencer. So uh, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, decent weekend. Family that we haven't seen for a long time came around. So we got um, a chance to do Christmas again because we haven't seen them for about a year. So Christmas presents and everything. Lots of cooking. Yeah, yeah it's good though. Oh yeah, no. I saw on Facebook your second Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Making everyone Rose. jealous with the food. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, I, oh god, I hate doing that when because um, my uh, personal trainer is on there and he's really trying to get me to go vegetarian. So, I, in, in some ways, I think, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> I shouldn't be eating all this fatty food because once you get to a certain age, it gets harder and harder. You know when you drink and eat a lot to um to work it off but anyway there we are you also should enjoy it as well so if you don't enjoy it there's almost no reason to do it is there yeah what's what's your personal trainer's name jai garcia he's a colombian guy who uh found about two years ago i think uh, probably wanted to i just wanted to 
you know, see if some of the things that I was doing was really working right or, or getting the most out of it. And, uh, and I thought, yeah, I haven't boxed and things for a while. And he was, uh, you know, he'd done a little bit of boxing and jujitsu and things like that. So I thought, oh, that's kind of fun. You know, I kind of, I sort of miss that sort of thing. And, um, it's a, a little bit different than going to the gym because if you've got a personal trainer doing it, uh, they don't hit quite as hard as the people in the gym, you know, yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you go and box and things like that, cause you're paying them. So they sort of, <laughs> yeah. So they, <laughs> so they, they sort of let you hit them a little bit more often or something. It seems they like want you anyway, to come maybe, back. Yeah. They want you to come back. Whereas the guys in the gym, you know, um, I know it's, it's just sparring, but sometimes, sometimes you, you will find some bruiser who just really wants to just go out there and, knock somebody around and you think oh i don't know i'm too old for that now but uh yeah. still you know you still like the you know the the adrenaline bit and and the in the fitness fitness part of it and well, it's an interesting thing i talk about this with millie my wife a lot because she's female and sometimes when she's fencing people she feels as if they're holding back sometimes against her and it really annoys her because she says I, t- I, w- I want to know how good i am and compare myself to that person on their you know 100% effort and she hates it when bigger guys or even you know anyone they're polite I think that's they're being polite sometimes because she's a female so so it's it's a similar sort of thing yeah there might be um is that at the club or competitions I think mainly at the club I think when people are competitive they need the win so it's a bit different yeah, so I I would say that's actually not necessarily a bad thing uh, because a, I have always worked on the philosophy, and this is sort of fencing related, so we might even be able to use this that mm. sparring because you know in, in boxing you do a fair bit of sparring as well, and in jujitsu or any martial art or anything like that you do a fair bit of sparring, and fencing really probably shouldn't be too much different than that. So in sparring, mm. you don't, and it goes back to not hitting hard, you know. Um, you don't you don't go 100% when you spar because if you win 100% when you spar um, one thing happens is you actually lose control right so if you're yep. hitting re- really really super hard or you're fencing really 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 hard more often than not you know you're you're where you're able to do the best control and you're able to learn the most is when you're going about 70 to 80% speed or capacity now that that's me personally and that's kind of yeah. the philosophy I've always taken and when you're doing that, two things happen, I think, or two or three things happen. First one is, you know, you've got a bit more in the tank. So if you do need to step it up, you've got that next gear ready to go. You've got it, yeah. So you can, you can shift up if you need to. The second thing is, you're you're actually using it as a learning. That's that's what it's about. It's a, sparring is not about winning. Sparring is about learning, right? Or if not learning at least weeding out the things that you know are not going to work, right? So you're trying something, and it might be even something completely new. And you can't go full tilt at it when it's something new. I mean, you, you really just can't. So you lose yeah. you lose control. You lose a little bit of focus, and you're shifting the focus to winning and not learning, right? And that probably is not always the best thing. Plus, you know, you know, if it's like boxing, you really put off your opponent. And they don't want to spar with you anymore. And there's you've lost a you know potential, you know, partner, somebody that you can learn from or teach or share things with and things like that. So yeah, you you might not want to always be doing that. So they might not want to give her a thrashing because they're bigger and it's a gentlemanly thing to do, but they also might not want to put her off 
fencing and they'll get something out of it and she'll get something out of it so i i would say yeah sparring is there's nothing wrong with that don't take it personally use it to your advantage take that sort of um sparring attitude and use it to practice your skills and that's an interesting point of view actually the other thing i've noticed if i really go full tilt there are times when i go absolutely flat out and i think oh i got hit now where the hell did i get hit or and why yeah why did I get hit, more importantly? But I wasn't focusing on that. I was focusing on trying to get the hit. Well, for me, it's 100%, but everybody else would be probably about 70%. But if I would just had slowed it down a little bit and was a little bit more focused on what was going on, right? I would probably have said, oh, yeah, my hand came in, or I had a bad hand position, or low hand, or a high hand, or, or you know, any number of things that, you know, that probably you know, missed because I was concentrate on trying to get that hit and probably trying too hard and just you know got tunnel vision and that's tunnel vision is probably a, quite a good thing in some ways if you go flat out and you've got perfect technique and it's always got to work and things like that but you don't know if you always learn from those things and fencing if nothing else is is one of those sports where you constantly constantly are learning right you're learning new techniques i mean whether you get good at them or not is another story but yeah so yeah sparring sparring's not bad i definitely agree with that and i i have lots of conversations with people about learning then the application you know we all want more lessons but i know it's easy to have lots of lessons every week and you never apply anything you'll just sort of have a lesson then you go fence your mates and that's it whereas you could see some guys out there you know, um, you, do you know Max Titmus? Oh, yeah, yeah, I fence him. He, he's been coming to Huntington and, and Peterborough. Uh, as he now? Uh, he gets about. But um, I watch him and I see him perhaps having a lesson and he'll just be trying that thing against you. And it's really irritating because he'll be trying it one week and you can get a few hits as he's not quite getting it. Two weeks later, he'll be getting that flick on your back every single time. And I think, oh, the bugger, he's learned something. And it, it, it's the, the road to improvement, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You de- you definitely have to try things and there different things work on different people. Uh, you know, he's he's a very talented defender. I think he's gone off to Sandhurst. He said now, so he's, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, I haven't seen him around for a couple of weeks. So I think he's he's gone now. But yeah, yeah, he's a super nice guy. He's a, a great person to train with. Yeah, yeah. Now I've I've I I fenced him when he was coming to Huntington. I fenced him every time. Yeah, occasionally I'd I you know get close, but you know. For where most of us are at, which is normal people who like to play at fencing in the evenings and weekends, and that's not to put it down, you know, people take it very seriously, quite rightly. Um, but what that's, that's what's great is we all bring our different professions and experience into the sport, which creates this whole wide range of what a good fencer can be. It's not just athletes who have a very specific route and they all follow it, and it's just the sort of the small differences between them. It's such a wide range of competitors, which is what makes it so interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a fantastic sport. It's one of those sports where you can be an absolute beginner and potentially step on the piece with an Olympian who's at the height of their of their fencing career and maybe even still score a point or two against. Yeah. You know, and uh, probably there's almost no other sport in the world where that is possible i can't think of another sport where that's possible especially one that is almost a combat sport i mean i know it's it's not but we are you are breaching that personal line of the 
the opponent, aren't you? Which is something that for me, who's I've never done boxing, I've never done any martial arts. The first sort of few months was just getting used to somebody coming up and touching you, you know, throwing something at you. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, if the first when you first start fencing, there's a if you're not used to people throwing things at your face or hitting you or being aggressive towards you, it is off-putting and people flinch all the time. People jump and flinch, and you know, and obviously that's not always good because your reactions a lot of times are to pull your hand back or pull your arm back, and of course, of course, you're not protecting yourself and things like that. And you know, I used to get. Oh, tons of bruises when I first started fencing and probably gave lots of people lots of bruises and and you don't even really I mean you feel it you know you've felt it but you don't know where it is but you just feel a pain there or something like that and then you get to a point where you're not flinching quite so much and you're gauging distance and timing a little bit better and you're doing lighter hits and the bruises start to fade and you you know you start to feel the touches and and you start, then you start to feel where the touches are happening. You can tell the difference between a hard touch, a medium, and a light touch. And then you can get to the point where you start to tell, well, my touch landed before yours, marginally, even on a double. You know, mine landed just marginally before, or something like that. And you, so you develop a sensitivity to it. You're, you're definitely not flinching then because you're, you know, you're, 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 you're fine tuning down the, the, the distance, the timing, and uh, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a fantastic sport, but you have to you have to build on it. So you start off really being really clunky, and well, some some people stay clunky, and I feel like I'm still clunky. <laughs> six years in. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's what, a fantastic sport. What drew you to fencing initially? Yeah, well, I have some service related injuries, and uh, and I got uh, to a point where I think I must have hit a hundred kilos, which is about sixteen or seventeen stone. Decided I needed to do something. I was 54, so too old to, to do team sports like football or rugby or something like that. Probably too brittle for that sort of thing anyway. So there weren't lots of options. I saw an advertisement for a beginner's fencing course at Huntington Fencing Club. Went on that, really enjoyed it. Learned foil, a 10-week course with Chris Covine and Ian Coates as the coaches, the, t- the instructors. Um Enjoyed it so much that uh, I started looking around locally for other clubs. Chris Hauser was running OPS at Peterborough. They only fence Epe, so I had to learn a new weapon. Rachel Lever um, showed me how to use an Epe. Oh, that's a pretty good introduction to Epe. Yes. Well, she was she's my fencing mom, I, and I think she was only about 14 or 15 at the time, So, and I was 54, so I always referred to her as my fencing mom, and... Uh, uh, because she she basically taught me how to, how to use an epe because I'd only known how to, to do the foil and only, I'd only been doing that for three months in the in, you know in the beginners course at Huntington, uh, but Chris was insistent I learned something other than the foil because they don't do foil at OPS only epe and uh, yeah it was the first six months was probably interesting to say say the least because I think the only time people fenced me is when Chris made them fence me. And then mm. uh, and I discovered that it was because, especially, and I get along well with these guys, Will Ferguson and and Finn Noble and guys like that. Who very are re- really talented. athletic fencers. Yeah, they're, they're very athletic and they're very good. And, and you know, people like um, Andy Luckman and people like that. So the other end of the spectrum, really good athletic older fencers. Mm. And uh, nobody wanted to fence me. And two reasons or the biggest reason is 
seemed to have been because they thought I was going to die on the piece. They, they literally, <laughs> literally, everybody, everybody said, I'm not fencing him because I don't want to be responsible for... I don't want to be the one that puts him in the coffin. Yeah, Robbo is going to die. They told they told Chris one night. Two or three of them told Chris that he's going to die. What, was that your fitness, or because they were worried about your injury? But part of it was that. Part of it was I had a really heavy limp because I, you know I'd had uh, I've got a titanium rod in my right leg, a total hip replacement, and I'd fractured my spine twice. Wow. My, they were they were minor fractures, but they all that stuff adds up. It's cumulative, especially on sport that's such uh, hip, knee, leg heavy as fencing. Uh, you know, and when my when I'd had my right hip replaced, I mean, and, well, when I had my when I had fractured my spine the second time, over over the second time, I lost about fifty percent of the muscle mass in my right leg. So literally, one leg was twice as big as the other. So um, the muscle just melted away. It just because the nerves had died. So yeah. there were no there were no nerves going to that leg to give it any signals, basically. So without nerves going to the muscles, the muscles weren't getting the signals to move. They felt that they weren't needed, and they just started melting away. And literally within about three or four months of me fracturing my spine, yeah, I'd lost almost all my muscle mass. You know, getting into fencing was one of those things I thought, ah, maybe just maybe I could do this, right? So did you get into fencing just to sort of give purpose to the exercise and to help part of it just, just moving it's a good way to move yeah part of it part of it is I, yeah i was like yeah, yeah i gotta do something even if it kills me i've got to do something because you it's got to get just worse and mobility has got to get harder and harder if i don't mm. do something so it, it might be drastic and it maybe you know some you know and, and generally people in their mid-50s don't start this kind of sport anyway but if you start it and you're well okay i'm I'm, technically i'm i have ability issues don't i so you know not i mean that puts a lot of people off right away and it obviously put off other fencers because a lot of them didn't want to fence me for the first you know four or six months and you know sometimes i had to resort to irritating them and then they want to poke holes i remember meeting you i think the first competition i met you at was the Coxmoor Woods, Epe, where I introduced myself to you, and you just mentioned you with Chris Hauser, or perhaps I spotted his style coming through you, <laughs> and you know, you, you told me about your leg and that sort of thing, and I thought, okay, he's going to be a Chris Hauser fencer, so he's going to have something about him, but if he can't move up and down the piece, I can, surely I can use that to my advantage, but yeah, you completely irritated me. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I've made a you know, a a career out of irritating everybody and getting being awkward and getting in the way. So, but as you said, that's that's what's so great about fencing is that you don't have to be the most athletic person on the piece to win. No. So, do you think it's influenced your style quite a lot? I think it has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. Yeah. So I I don't I don't probably quite move as much, and I probably do too too much blade work. But yeah, I am I am getting more uh, mobile and. So, so the so fencing has helped from that perspective. I'm moving a lot more, and there are times when I'm I'm I'm, I'm surprised myself. Um, so it has been good for my mobility. Um, so I don't do as many lunges as probably Chris would like to see. Well, but then none he, of us do. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, there are times when I've when I've watched people fence, and I think, you know, I haven't seen a lunge the whole day. So I'm wondering if a lun- lunges are, you know overrated maybe i'm not sure 
whenever I'm moaning about my fencing and Paul Wilmot or Millie, my wife, will say, well, you didn't lunge at all. I say, yeah, I did. And they say they weren't lunges. I think if you, whether they're overrated, I'm sure if you can do them well, then they're very much something that you need. Oh yeah, oh yeah. See, well, it's a, it's a, it's a tool. Yeah, it's a, it's a weapon in your arsenal, a tool in your toolbox. If you can do it, it's great, and you know when to do it, it's great. And if you do a, a great one, if you do a really bad one, you, you're better off not doing one at all. You're better off just doing a step. Yeah, that's a good point. In a lot of ways, because if you're doing a bad one, and, and you, you know, you got bad form, and you've lowered, you know, dropped your shoulder, and you're presenting yourself a perfect target, you might as well just not have done it. Yeah, or if you're doing them at the wrong distance and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, the wrong distance and you're falling short and leaving somebody you know, leaving yourself open to a counterattack, you know. Um, yeah. Better. I mean, I, when I see really top-notch fences, they almost all, they don't seem to be clonking down the piece. They seem to be gliding. Oh, they float along it. Yeah, they float along the piece, don't they? Have you ever done any training with Jonathan Katz? Yeah, because he, he goes to Bedford and I go to Bedford on Tuesday oh, night. Yeah. His, his footwork, he just sort of, floats across the beast I'm, I'm sure it comes from thousands of hours of practice but but that but that is when you when you're doing that it, it they it seems almost like they're putting no energy into it forward and backwards yeah and the economy of motion and it's a change quickly whereas when you're clunky and <laughs> and you're 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 you don't have good strong leg muscles and you don't have a good strong core and you're you're not in good upright posture um you know it, it it takes extra time and you're you're putting yourself in a bad position and opening yourself up energy. yeah and it's yeah. wasting yeah and it's hard work and you could afford that when you're 20 or 30 you you can afford that, that wasted energy because you that's fine yeah but when you're you know 50 60 you probably can't quite afford that and you can't afford that extra millisecond or 500 you know half a second that that it takes to to change direction or something like that but when you're solid um it just seems effortless and he's one of those guys who who does and he does usually about 10 or 15 minutes of footwork at the end of um uh, fencing at bedford on tuesday nights and um uh, and you could tell the people who stay and do it, it religiously right it pays off because you can see they're fencing improving you know week on week their footwork is really good and yeah, we all get out there and we forget things and, you know, when we're doing it, but if, if you can remember some of those, but he talks a lot about balance and your core and good, good posture and good upright position and things like a good hand position. And it's a, you know, it's an all body experience, I think. Uh, so, I mean, obviously the podcast is called Fencing Stories. What's your most memorable story you have that you could tell us about fencing? Last year. As someone from uh, the Eastern Region Vets Winton Cup team approached me and asked if I would like to do Sabre. Now, they did this out of desperation <laughs> and they did it. And you said no instantly. No, no, I always say yes, right? <laughs> All right. So that's that's the story of my life saying yes, maybe when I shouldn't say when I should say no. But um, I, I always like to help people if I can, right? You know, I don't want to, I, I never want to let any, anyone down, right? So um, so I said, yeah, sure, why not? And they said, yeah, said, we they said, we know you haven't been fencing for a long time, and we know you do EPE, and you've never touched a saber. And I said, no, no, I did touch a saber. You know, when I first started fencing, um, I had to borrow uh, weapons from the club, and all the weapons are kept in one one big box, sabers, foils, and EPEs, and I had to move sabers out of the way to get to an EPE. So, yes, I have touched a saber. Yeah. 
Yeah. Once. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, so they said, just just go along and enjoy it. And if we can't get another person, we just can't have a, a team. So that was, yeah. I said, okay, yeah. So I had a 15-minute lesson at, at the club on a Thursday night. And I think I probably fenced once or twice against some of the guys. And uh, and then I went to the Vets Winton Cup with 15 minutes of fencing. <laughs> 15 minutes before one of the hardest Vets competitions in the country. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So they were, yeah, that show, shows how desperate they were. <laughs> but it was fine, I thought. I said, well, you know, what? yeah. So what's, what's the worst that could happen? Well, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so my first opponent, I thought, what can I do? There's nothing I can do against these guys. I might, I might make it awkward for them. Uh, all give right, give them a hard day. Yeah, I'll give them a hard day. That's the best I could do. I could, I could die badly and noisily. That's all I could do, basically. And uh, so I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to get the first hit. I'm going to get the first hit because it was first, first guy up, first bout, and it's against one of the London guys who Saba, I think, was his name. But he's, he's a really good fencer. I think it was him anyway. And uh, and. And uh, they could tell that was wasn't a saber. As a matter of fact, he even came on the piece to shake hands, and and I said, "Am I holding my cutlass the right way?" Because I thought, <laughs> I thought if if I put him off, or if I make it make it sound like I don't know anything, and I really really don't, they, they might be nice to you. They might be nice to me, or or they might just you know take a, a leisurely attitude towards it. And if I come off the line, you know, straight away, serious, right? then, yeah, I might get the first point because they'll be at a disadvantage. Yeah, they'll be at ease, basically. And I did. I literally launched myself, right? I didn't even have a good hand position or anything. But, you know, I did get right of way because that's one thing I did, I did learn and realize that right of way is important. And uh, and I got the first hit. That was it, though. I mean, after that, there was, you know, it was it was, it was was five to one, but, but I got the first hit. You got the first hit. I got the first hit. You know, and it was simply because, you know, I had horrible hand position and you know i asked the guy if i was holding my cutlass the right way and and he, he, he laughed and everybody else laughed and you know they said oh saber but you know he didn't he didn't he, he didn't take it for granted the next time and he came out in right form and and that was it and then i think my second opponent was mo mansuri who's the commonwealth champion so, oh, no. so i know so i thought blimey and and it was really a baptism by fire well, I'm sh- I'm sure you were a great warm up for those guys that day. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Well, that's that's you know, and that's you know, that's the way I I thought of it. I said, you yeah, know, there's no way I can't compete with these guys. You know, there's no way. But you know, I don't want to let the team down. You know, they they can't have a they can't have a team if they didn't have a third person, even if it's me. And you know, by the end of the day, though, um, not against the really the top guys, the guys who walked away with the trophy. But some of the other teams, there were there were people. I went from losing five one, five one, five five two. By the end of the day, I was getting some five threes, five threes, and one five four. And I thought, okay, fine. So it took a whole day of being thrashed, right? But I could see if you plot it, you know, on a graph, I could see the chart. You know, there was improvement see, there. There was improvement there. Okay, you're learning in real time. Yeah, it's hard to say because maybe I started with the hardest opponents, and I did because you know how many people have to fence the Commonwealth champion as the, one of their first opponents, and and and, and yeah. But that's that's what makes fencing so wonderful is that you can find yourself fencing such brilliant athletes when you're potentially not. 
I went away and said, I'm never touching a saber again, ever. Right. <laughs> it was, it was fun. I mean, even if I lost every, every bout, you know, it was fun. And, and, you know, my teammates, they, they won a few. Yeah. Right. And uh-huh. then, and they, and they would not have done that. They would not have been there. They would not have even been able to go fine. Fine. Yeah, said, yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll be your, you know, whipping boy. That's fine. Yeah. And I think as Epeus, it's always a humbling experience when we have to do one of the other weapons. I mean, yes. It's this yes. point where you got you step onto the beast and you have to test your weapons. It's, it's just so complicated compared to Epe. Yeah, it is far more complicated than it seems like it needs to be. The rider thing absolutely kills me because there were plenty of times when I thought, blimey, I'm sure I've got the right of way because I've, I've crossed the, the center line you know, faster and sooner than the other person. And then you find out it's something about your hand position. Yeah. Some, uh, some other thing is not quite gone. And then you correct that and then you realize that you're putting so much uh, concentration on getting the hand position right and the threatening position that you're, you slowed down a bit and that other person is you know, cross the center line first, or may, maybe marginally, you know, they, or maybe you didn't scream loud enough because there seems to be a hell of a lot of screaming going on in, in Saber, <laughs> right? And so, you know, you know, maybe that, maybe that subconsciously influences the referee, you know? To be fair, though, if, if, if you um, have a, a Saber bout and one, one person's primarily an Epeist and you get a double hit, you can almost guarantee that. The right away belongs to the saber almost uh, yeah there's an intention there's an intention they have that they'll know what's going on right at one point i i just switched to doing doing epi hits and i did some really nice wrist epi hits. matter of fact i did three in a row before i realized that the bottom half of the glove on a saber glove doesn't conduct right <laughs> and in this and the guy who was fencing said those were absolutely beautiful hits he said it's just following about a short a short um uh, of where it conducts and i thought and i looked at the saber and i said oh damn it and he, i said yeah i had a 15 minute lesson that's all i know <laughs> trouble is you wouldn't get them when you're next fencing epi no yeah i know yeah exactly but i had some really beautiful ones and and yeah it's just yeah and i thought the whole it, it, that shows how much i know right because i'm relatively new at fencing and hadn't done saber at all and i thought the whole glove conducted right but it you know it's not it doesn't it's only at the wrist isn't it so, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, so this could go out, and all the sabers in the land can make fun of me now. <laughs> I can look forward to the next time you get roped into. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I would do it again. I, I would do it again, and ever just occasionally, about once every two or three months, <clears throat> when there aren't so many epas, especially at Huntington, um, when there aren't so many epas, or some of them go home early, and I, you know, I've still got energy in the tank. Um, I'll go and get a, a saber lame and a mask and a and a saber, and I'll go over and fence those guys a little bit. And they seem to enjoy it because it, you know there, there are only five or six there, so new blood, and they can they can beat up on me, and then I can kind of keep my hand in that way. I don't forget everything I learned. There is an argument for forgetting everything I've learned and going completely back to um, saber because the next two three bouts I have at um, Epe. I have a really funny hand position, and I could I could tell, and yeah. more hand hits on me. I'm always amazed by people who can just switch between weapons. Adrian Webb from uh, Milton Keynes, he, I mean, he's a textbook fen- uh, epaist. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But whenever he picks up the foil or the saber, he's just as good. It's really frustrating. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's he's a very talented fencer. I fenced him a few times, and yeah, he he really just. 
he always wipes the floor with me. He's, he's very mm. precise. He knows exactly what he's doing. His blade work is perfect. His footwork is really good. He knows when, you know, timing, everything's good. Uh, yeah, awful. <laughs> I, I love fencing. If if a saber comes to fence Epe, I absolutely love that because they always have a bad hand position and they always try to slash, you know. But also they come at you. I know I've fenced some Sabreurs and they, they just fly at you. And I said, like, oh, what are you doing? You know, let's, let's take the next two and a half minutes to work it out before we start. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they do. They come flying at you and, and they, they, they try to slash, even if it's, it's not a slash. So they try to do a cut instead of a poke. And <laughs> it can work. Um, Yes, uh, it, it'll catch you off guard sometimes. Um, and if you're one of those people who's always looking for the hand hit, I'm always looking for the hand hit. I, I love when I see that hand go up. I mean, as soon as I see it go up, I mean, I, I don't even think about it now. I just attack it. Right? I just uh, arm out, and you know, and it, it, you know, whether it's a, sometimes it just takes a little step or something like that. But if it's a saber, it's arm out, and they would just run onto it because they're coming at you anyway. Right? So we've had a couple at OPS. The people who swapped over that used to do saber, but because OPS only does epe, mm. they've moved to the area. They can only do epe, so, so they've, they've got to relearn. So they've got to relearn, and it takes them, you know, sometimes a few months. But do you think once they make that change, they become more rounded? You know, it, it benefits their epe. Oh, I'm sure it probably does, right? Because it, that you know, I'm sure it does. Um, um. I'm not so sure that it, it helps their saber any at all because you know he's holding back in saber doesn't doesn't seem for what little I know about it doesn't seem like such a good idea. So they might you know when they go back they probably uh, will have to unlearn some of that stuff. But I think as an as an epis, it probably makes them yeah it's it's good to learn the other weapons anyway. Michael, what does an average week of fencing look like for you? Oh, an average week of fencing. So uh, Monday night I go to Peterborough. Uh, Chris Hauser has uh, one of his clubs there, uh, Andal, uh, Peterborough, and Stamford. So they they meet for two and a half hours in Peterborough, uh, Epe only club. Um, we do about forty five minutes of um, stretches, uh, fitness, and blade work or footwork, and then the rest of the evening is fencing on the boxes. And that's a Epe only club. Um, good turnout. Most most Mondays, about 30-plus fencers, really talented fencers there. I really love that club. Um, Tuesday nights, Bedfin, three-weapon club. Um, more Sabres than anybody else, but still a good number of FAists, about eight or ten FAists. Uh, a couple of them really talented. Uh, one particular coach there is Quentin Berryman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Euro- European champion once upon a time usually get a 10 or 15 minute lesson out of him and it's well worthwhile. So that's a, it's a good, that, that club has a lot of new people. Matter of fact, there's a surprising number of new people. There must be about a dozen new people in the last couple of classes that have stepped in. I noticed some older people too. So that's, that's quite good. So it's, that's Tuesday night. Usually Wednesday I have a, a one hour lesson with Chris Hauser. So mm-hmm. since I started later on uh, in life, since I started in my mid fifties, I feel like I need to catch up, and one of the ways of catching <laughs> up is not is not just fencing every day that I can, but to try to get a lesson from the people who are actually make progress. Yeah, so yeah, so Chris gives me a lesson on Wednesdays. Yeah, you know, Thursday Huntington Fencing Club, which meets in St. Neots, and uh, it's about two and a half or three hours on a Thursday night, and it's a three weapon club. Um, <laughs> about fourteen to sixteen FAS there. It's quite good. About six sabers and. A lot of kids doing foil, 
okay. Yeah, it seems seems to be um, uh, growing. So all all three clubs are actually growing, which I'm pleased to see. Yeah, and then Friday I go do boxing and fitness training, and then occasionally a competition on the weekend or take. So that's so is that four nights of fencing a week? Yeah, it's four days for sure. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's a lot of fencing. It's a fair bit, but like I said, I feel I feel obligated to try to catch up because I, you know, if I'd started at fourteen, I might not feel the same obligation or the same desire to catch up. But uh, at fifty-four, yeah, um, starting, I need to. Are you making me think I need to catch up with you now? Um. <laughs> no, you're, I think you're doing all right, Jason. Yeah, to be honest with you, I think you're doing okay. So yeah, I um yeah, there are times though. I think maybe it's just a little bit too much. If I if I didn't do quite so much, then I could think about fencing and go back because there are a couple of times I've had an enforced break. So I mm. think I had, I had surgery once or something. I, oh yeah, I detached retina surgery, and so I, I couldn't fence for. A month because well I couldn't see out of my right eye so I I, I I couldn't fence for a month and actually I came back and I thought oh it's going to be really difficult now because I've lost seventy five percent vision in my right eye so I, I yeah, I'm going to find it really and I do find it a little bit difficult against left handers because it's my right eye good to know <laughs> yeah yeah so that's why left handers I struggle with left handers sometimes and actually I I, I think you know probably. I didn't lose that much, as much as I thought, because I seem to be fencing okay. And Chris says, you know, he's, it's not unusual because, you know, you, you actually kind of fall back on some of the basics, and you, you know, hopefully you've undone some of those bad habits that you've that you've had because you haven't been reinforcing them for the past month. So there, there might be something to be said about taking a break from it occasionally. Brilliant. Well, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Michael. Uh, anyone you'd like to say? Anything about anything else you'd like to mention? Gosh, there's so many people. I mean, yeah, I can't, I, I couldn't say enough about all the wonderful people I've met in fencing since I've started. Um, lots of really, really fantastic people. I mean, Chris Hauser, Chris Covine, just tons. Uh, too, too many to mention, really, to be honest with you. But yeah, it's a great sport. I think we'll leave it on that. Brilliant, Michael. Thanks for your time, and uh, I look forward to seeing you on a piece soon. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. Cheerio. So welcome back, Michael. I'm back with Michael in order to go through the Screamer of the Month. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to, in a moment, play for you three screams, and your job is to identify the fencer. Is that clear? That That's very clear. So, which one do you think it is? Do you think it's screen one, two, or three? Well, I, I, I'm going to do an elimination. So I, I thought one sounded like a bird, right? And three sounded like a, a Viking movie I'd once watched. So I'm going to go with two, because I, plus I also thought I heard uh, some clashing of blades in there. So I'm going to go with two. I'm glad to say that number two is Alan Partridge shouting Dan from an episode off I'm oh, Alan no. Partridge. Oh no. So oh, congratulations. Oh. You're our oh, first okay. guest to get it wrong. Okay. No, hold on, I thought Jason got the goat wrong. Right. <laughs> the goat was okay. pretty bad, but Alan misidentifying Alan Partridge. I'm, I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm, frankly I'm I'm proud of you, Michael. Well, to be fair, I don't watch much Alan Partridge. I do know who he is, though. So, okay. So so that I could sleep tonight. Which which one was it? 
Uh, you're going to have to listen to the episode, Michael. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm here with Luke Deemer from Crawley Sword Club. Would you like to tell us a bit about the club, Luke? By all means, yes. So, Crawley Sword Club, uh, we meet in the southeast of England, K2 Leisure Centre near Gatwick Airport. Uh, we've been going uh, over 60 years now. Wow. Um, yeah, so we were originally founded by our founder, Jeff Griffin. He came out of the army, founded the club, uh, and it's just kind of grown from there. Do you fence how often a week? So, we meet twice a week. So, we are 7 till 9.30 on a Monday and a Wednesday evening. And the facilities you have here seem to be really quite good. Yes, yeah, so I think we've got plenty of boxes, we've got plenty of coaches as well, so we're always trying to, to fight for those one-to-one lessons. Any club member can have a one-to-one lesson. Brilliant. And you've only got foil and epee on a Wednesday, or have I got that wrong? No, absolutely. So we're a three-weapon club, but the Sibras typically come down on the Monday, um, but uh, most of our people do foil and epee, it's fair to say, and we have a smaller contingent of Sabreurs on a Monday. Is that because they like to have the bank holidays off, those lazy Sabreurs? <laughs> I wouldn't want to comment on that. That's very, very wise. And have you had any successes in the club? Oh, absolutely. So I think the great thing about Crawley is it is a community club. We have everyone from you know nine-year-olds up to people in their 80s. We have everyone from beginners through to um, you know Commonwealth champions in the past. We've got plenty of international fences. So particularly our FPS have had recent success at things like the European Championships, um, cadet and junior level, we've got last eight, last 16 at Euros. It's really impressive. Um, mine is a little bit further back than that. Um, but at the same time, we have a lot of social fences, and I think that's what makes Crawley so good. I understand one of the rules is that if you're challenged, you're not allowed to say no. Absolutely. I think that's how you create a club atmosphere in all of this. Otherwise, it would be you know, clear or broken up a little bit. Um, at one point we had uh, Red Hill and Rygate, which was a separate FA club, sort of merged in with Crawley Sword Club. And even since then, we've been able to really start to integrate the foilists and FAs together, all levels together. Absolutely, everyone has to fence everyone. So that must be why Chris sent me down to see you. <laughs> so Luke, thanks so, you so could much. you give for... us a lesson in all of your, yes, in your brilliant FA, I'm sure. <laughs> Doubt it. So anyway, thank you very much for speaking to us. No worries. Thank you very much.